Before we get to today's episode of the Banquet Hall Podcast, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about our sponsor of today's episode. Uh, Video listeners, y'all might be wondering, why do you have on a bonnet? Well, this episode is brought to you by Black Beauty Near You, an online beauty supply store making beauty supply products more accessible for students at PWIs. And y'all might recognize Black Beauty Near You as the first ever guest of the Banquet Hall podcast, all the way back at episode one. From braid kits and bonnets to do-rags and edge control, Black Beauty Near You has you covered. And the best part is they could deliver or ship it directly to you. So listeners, why on earth would you waste gas and time getting to the beauty supply, which you know is like 20 minutes from your college campus, when a beauty supply could come right to your dorm? Visit blackbeautynearyou.com to learn more and don't forget to sign up for their mailing list and learn more about the Braider directory coming your way August 2023. That's blackbeautynearyou.com. Now, let's get started with the episode. So this is actually the beginning of the Banker Hall podcast. So listeners, Thank y'all for tuning in. You definitely didn't miss any bloopers. This is the first time I'm saying this introduction this evening. Uh, my name is Kyrie Nathan. I am your host of the Banquet Hall Podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on social platforms at Banquet Hall Pod. Uh, leave us a like, a five-star review. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their uncle to tell their dog to give this podcast a listen because everybody needs to listen. Um, but I'm blessed to be joined by a good friend of mine, Ariel Sella. Welcome to the Banquet Hall. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. I thought a little dance. You know, I got I got to set the stage. I got to give you your intro. Got to give you your stage that you know what you're coming out to. Because I feel like this is going to be a very performance-based podcast. I feel like I have to hold myself to a performative standard because I'm with, like, the queen of performance of the bank ball. Oh, I know. I love this. I love this. And we've already performed together before. So I feel like it just flows, you know? Look at you. You're already giving people sneak peeks and like alluding to stuff that's going to come. We call that a foreshadow in the business. Foreshadowing, yes, honors English. Uh, but Aristella, uh, I always start this podcast with the same question just because I think it's very important for folks to understand where people are from when they're getting to know them, getting to know their stories. And so the first question I'd like to ask you is where are you from and what does home mean to you? Ooh, I like this question. Um... So when people ask me where I'm from, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the great city of Los Angeles, California, period. Um, I also am first-generation American, so my family's from Ghana, and I consider that home, too. Um, Right now, I'm in neither of those places, (laughs) and right now, (laughs) home is New York City, Um, which, I mean... I think moving into, like, the definition of home, I think it's really evolved over time for me. Like... I feel like I used to conceptualize it only as a geographical place or like only as like a physical space. But I think I find a lot of home where like the people that I love are. Um, I think that I'm still creating a home out of New York City and building that community. Um, And then I feel like sometimes like where I find home is like figurative to like home could be like a craft store or a dance store, you know? Um, The poem's already starting, I see. You know, you you see the vibes, the the bars, they write themselves. Um, And I think I'm also like learning to create home 
like within myself, you know, Mm -hmm. and that being like a recentering point. So I think home to me is really places where you feel loved and you feel authentic um, and where you feel centered. Mm. Home, what an interesting four letter word. (laughs) A very interesting four letter word. And listeners, so we call that a callback. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, as we've alluded to a couple of times, Aracela is a poet, an artist in a number of different ways. And so, uh, you have a four letter word poem that you've done in the past. And so, when you said home and we're talking about home in such an elegant way, I'm like, ah, home, what an interesting four letter word. So, um, I want to expand a little bit further, though. So, you're from the greatest city on earth. And I promise, listeners, like, I. I know a lot of people on this podcast are from Los Angeles, California. It's not my fault. The best people that I know are from the best city. Like that part. That it, just part. Is, it just it is. It just is what it is. <laughs> exactly. I'm saying. <laughs> it just is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but I want to ask you, like, what do you feel that you gain from those different pieces of your home, like being from Ghana or being from LA and even having like the Big Apple now being part of your home story? Oh, well, for one thing, I've only really lived in major cities. And so for the most part, I'm really used to movement and dynamics and just like the air of possibility not to be corny. But um, I feel like growing up kind of like between two cultures was interesting and in some ways like allowed me to see maybe like sometimes the same like social issues or like the same just like experiences from different ways. Um, I think I got comfortable with things always not being clean cut, things being in the in-between. I think one of my favorite words is multiplicity. And Mm -hmm. so like the idea of being multiple things at once. Um, And I think that the places that I call home tend to embody that too, where like there are so many ways that you can show up in this life, like whether those are like things that are within your control or like not in your control. Um, And I think that for me, it was interesting to like go to school and hear one language being spoken and go home and hear another Mm. language being spoken Um, or like even being able to go back to Ghana too because my family did that a lot when I was growing up and that's something that I'm really grateful for um and so I think the experience of having family that because my family lives like all over the place Mm -hmm. and so literally when you when we're all like gathered together it's like people from the Caribbean like the UK and then obviously people from Ghana and then people from the Americas and so it's always a lot of different dynamics going on when even we link up just like Mm -hmm. on some family reunion type shit. So I think that that really, I think that encouraged me to be open-minded in some ways. I mean, there's a lot of like cultural influence that I've learned and unlearned. Um, Like all of the different cultures that I've experienced, (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah, 
I think it made me curious most of all. Mm. Um, and I think it made me creative. I draw upon a lot of these places for in like my creativity and the way that I express myself. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I rock with that. And I definitely want to dig through like those different identities as we make our way through the podcast. So one thing I want to highlight, because um, I think you, I'm trying to think through my guests in my head real quick. You're probably this, the third guest that has us African roots, like directly in their family, like either first gen American or somewhere close to it. I've had Victoria on the podcast, as well as Lynette, uh, who both come have family who come from the continent. And so uh, one of the questions that I really like to put out there or just topics, I guess I want to bring out there when we talk about Africa and like the diaspora of blackness, I feel like a lot of times in mainstream media, it's just always like, oh yeah, you know, Africa, all of it, like just, just Africa, like it's just Africa, it's just one continent. There's not these diverse peoples yeah. within the continent of Africa. And so um, I think when it comes to, thinking about your heritage and your family uh what is it that makes you proud to have that african identity as part of your culture i know you mentioned like different aspects of it that influence who you are but what makes you proud to have that as part of your culture Ooh. oh this is a good question um i think for one thing the vibrance of the culture mm. like just down to like the colors in a kente cloth to like the sense of humor that we have and the type of boldness that you approach life with um, and really like being so community oriented. I think that it's been a process for sure of becoming more proud of my heritage and mm. my cultural background um like over time growing up and like it's never it was never something that I like wasn't proud of but I think I think you grow in that in a lot of ways Absolutely. um and there's just like more understandings that you have as you get older and as you're an adult and you become more aware of like how the world works mm-hmm. um but yeah, I think it's really like the richness of the culture, like the the dances and like the the song and the the music and all of that. Um, like I get so amped up when I listen to like Afro beats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's really my vibe. Um, and Amapiano is really taking over the market right now, which I mean, yeah. So it's even just like, feeling also that you're just like a a part of this really vibrant community so I think those are the things that I really rock with and I rock with it uh so let's go ahead and transition and talk about how we cross paths and uh going to talk about how time is really a wild concept right now because can you believe that we first crossed paths almost 14 years ago man you know (laughs) When I honestly, like a couple hours ago, when I was thinking about how I was about to do this, I was like, I haven't really known this nigga for like 14 years. Isn't that wild? 14 years ago. 14 years ago. And I barely even knew about you for the first four. Like, I, like, exactly. like the first three and a half. But and that's, that's really where I want to start because I think that 
this is a very interesting how we first crossed paths because I feel like a lot of the people who've been on the banquet hall thus far, they've been people who I've crossed paths with. And then we like had like meaningful connections, meaningful conversations, meaningful relationships over a course period of time. Whereas for you and myself, we were the uh, the smart black kids in mm. high school. We were the black Say kids that. that that were in the AP and honors classes. That that's just who we were. You were the other yeah. black. You were, you were one of the other black people in the AP class, and we kind of just left it at that. Um, so I don't even know if you would remember this. So I'm just curious. What what do you do? You remember what your first impression of me was, or any thoughts you had freshman year of high school? Honestly, and I, I don't even mean this to be wild, but I didn't even really have any first impression <laughs> because the first that I heard Fair. of you was like back when we first started high school and they were still like ranking us, which was weird. Wild. It's wild that they ranked us freshman yeah. year. It was like, hey, was welcome to high craziness. school. You're number 23 out of the, the class in terms of smartness. It's like, yo. No, literally. <laughs> or you'd be like number 200. Like, what am I supposed to do with that information? And why? What does this and, do and, for me? And why? And it's wild to me because before they got rid of it, that was still on the transcript that they were sending to colleges. Like, imagine having, like, good grades and still being, like, number 52. <laughs> what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> what a wild reality. What a wild reality. No, that shit was weird. Anyways... We both were top of the charts, so small flex. That's what I was like, you know, slight, just slight work. Um, and so then that's how I found about about you is, I was like, oh, there's that other black person who is also on wavelength, and that that was literally the first impression. I swear, I maybe saw you in passing, and then that was like it. <laughs> maybe like out at lunch or something like that. And then that was it. And then there were just like sporadic little moments where we like, we had the same class or like we'll pass each other in the hallways, but we didn't converse or anything. We literally didn't talk until senior year. <laughs> and it's just, I, honestly, I feel like the Chronicles are, are just wild. Like the Chronicles of how we came to be friends is like, it was a slow burn, <laughs> low key. It was the slowest of burns because even looking at how that first like ignite to us connecting happened, uh, we were both senior retreat leaders at Bishop uh, on the Kairos retreat, and like you said, like that was our first time like really engaging in. I feel like we went from a slow burn to like now nah, let's throw some lighter fluid on that. Let's talk about your uh, let's talk about your no deep, because your deep cuts. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. <laughs> Because for the fact that, like, I didn't know anything about you, we hadn't had any conversations. Remember, I only have seen this man in passing. Why is it that now we are in a situation where we have to, like, tell our life story? Like, how did I go from knowing nothing to knowing your whole life story? In, like, a span of, of like, it was a crash course. Yeah, just a, couple, a crash like, couple months, you went from knowing nothing to knowing, like, more than most people. I'm saying, and then I feel like on top of that, that wasn't even what did it. Like, I feel like there was even still a gap of time mm -hmm. before we even, like, we did all that, you know, bury your whole soul, whatever. Or not whatever. I mean, I guess there was, anyways. 
but and then there was like this gap of time where we didn't even really talk that much and then we went to a bsu meeting because we both ended up going to the same like what are the odds that we would end up then going to the same college yeah just that's wild just happenstance but do you remember what led to that first bsu meeting i'm trying to test your memory real quick Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. okay. I'm not the person whose memory to test. Um, <laughs> it's like I shall not be tested on this podcast. No, I can let real. you know. You could just say you for don't real. know, and I could share the story. I just wanted to see if you have the same memory as I do. I don't have the same memory as you do. <laughs> so, yeah. What, and I'll even let you in behind the curtain. So, I had been wanting to go to BSU for a while because. I had like, I was hanging out with some of the black women that were in BSU, but they'd be like, oh, come to the BSU meeting. I'm like, nah, this is other stuff I'm doing. I'm not going to BSU. Uh, little did I know I needed to be going to BSU. Uh, but so I texted you because obviously I had your number from Kairos. And I was like, hey, like, have you been going to BSU? And I think you were involved with ASA, African Student Association at the time, or uh, maybe looking into it, but you hadn't really started going to BSU meetings. So I was like, hey, I'll go if you go, essentially, because I wasn't about to just walk into an established organization's meeting and be the awkward. No, I was like, no, we need to do this together. Right. So we met we met up on Library Walk and walked to the BSU meeting together. That was my first BSU meeting. And I only went because I knew you. And I didn't even, like, I knew you really well because of Kairos, but I didn't know you, like, well enough to where I'm like, hey, like, want to help my social anxiety real quick? No, literally, yes. Which is basically what it was. I hadn't really been to BSU meetings either so i was like okay this is a good time to go it makes sense i do remember walking to the meeting um yeah and i do remember you hitting me up and being like you want to go to bsu and i was like sure let's do that um but yeah because i was like freshman year too and so we we're both still like looking for community and adjusting me to being in college so yeah, it honestly lined up that we ended up going to the same school because I feel like that was also one of my introductions into the community, Absolutely. Black community at UCSD. But then even after that, I feel like it was a slow burn still. Even after that, we still didn't become friends. No, honestly, the listeners are probably like, so... It's like, so when the hell, like, are you, when did y'all become friends? Listen, we became like, friends yesterday. No, honestly, today, right now, actually on this podcast... <laughs> This is our first no conversation. <laughs> Man, that's what it feels like. But no, nah, I feel like um, I remember, shout out to Ashley, of course. He got, Ashley was going to get a shout out mm, at some point yep. in this podcast. Right. But I think, because Ashley was my RA, and I was going to hang out with her and Andre. And then she was like, oh, yeah, me and Ariel Sella hanging out. I was like, Ariel Sella? She mean you and <laughs> you and Ariel Sella hanging out. I went to high school. Me me owning you, like, we hang out, like, all the time. Like, that's my thing. No, it, it's crazy. It's crazy because when I knew that people were hanging out with you, I was like, what y'all know about Kyler? Exactly. Uh, did he give you the Kyler's talk? <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. But that slow burn aside, we made it. Damn it. No, it we took, made it. It took some time. It took a whole lot of time. It took eight years, but we got six to show for it. <laughs> right, right, right. Six solid ones, which I feel like, you know, there's more to come. So we can make up for lost time. But um, yeah, it's just, you're definitely one of my most interesting friendships because, yeah, it's just like, I've known you for such a long time, but I feel like all of our like true bonding has come like very crash course 
but that's also why I rock with your energy and uh, one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to <clears throat> be able to help you share your story on the podcast is just because it's like you just get it. Um, Aristella came out to California just a couple of weeks ago and we meet her and Ashley. We went to go get some uh, wings at Dirty Bears on the 4th of July uh, because go America. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was a point in time where we was all just enjoying our wings in complete silence. No one said a thing. No one was like, ah, like it's so quiet. We just, at one point was like, man, I really appreciate that we could just sit here and shut up. And just vibe. Yes. Because people don't always know when to shut up. You know? They don't know. And that's the problem with society. <laughs> there you have it. That's the thesis of this episode. Um, but enough about the uh, mushiness of our <laughs> slow burn of a friendship. Uh, this is not the Kyler and Aria Sella Friendship Podcast. It's about you and your story. So uh, obviously you do... <laughs> Obviously, you didn't come to UCSD just to slow burn our friendship. You had a, <laughs> you had your own individual interests, your own individual passions. Uh, so I want to start, we're going to come back to the African Student Association and uh, kind of your involvement with that. What I want to start with is public health. Uh, mm. So you, uh, why don't you walk me through it? What was your educational journey at UCSD? with regards to where you started and where you ended up leading towards graduation. Yeah, you know, in all honesty, I wasn't even trying to go to UCSD. But like, between everything, <laughs> yes. We saw my dad listen to this podcast and he noticed the theme that every black person on this podcast, when I asked them why they come to UCSD, almost all of us are like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really want to go, but you know, ended Yo. up there. The comments are, honestly, I didn't even notice that. I've listened to the episodes and I, like, there's a lot that I resonate with, but I didn't even notice the pattern. Dang. It's just regular, Especially because bro. I almost didn't even say that. <laughs> but then I was like, no, this is context because once you hear what comes after it, then I feel like there's an appreciation for the journey. But yeah, no, I wasn't even trying to do all that. But all things aside, that is where I ended up going to school. Um, I went in as pre-med, which I also wasn't really trying to do like that, but. <laughs> so honestly, yeah, it was a lot of like, <laughs> what's going on right here? But um, so I started off as human bio, which I feel like a lot of people started off as, and many people did not end as. I was one of those people who did not. And as the major that they came in with, um, yeah, it's wild because I changed my major in sophomore year, but the process of me even getting to there was interesting because I knew I wasn't trying to do medicine like that. I was more so interested in like UCLA, not to not to be like that, but UCLA had this major when we were applying called Human Biology and Society. Mm. And I realized when I was doing the applications that it was the and society part that I was interested in. And the human bio was just like kind of part of that. But what I really wanted to know more about was like the social context. And I found out about public health, I think because I was looking through the majors and I was like, oh, what is this? And so I started sitting in on some public health classes and then 
I, I remember I sat in on, I think it was the family and prevention medicine class and they were doing like, they were doing like some type of statistics and that wasn't even the point for me. It was really the explanation of the concepts that I was like, oh, they're really considering X, Y, Z and this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, th- this is more, this is more my speed thinking about like populations mm-hmm. um, and like the zoom out. I'm a zoom in, zoom out type of person just generally. And I think I appreciated that we were looking at things from like every social level, mm-hmm. every, every like social ecological, now that I have the language for it, every social ecological level. Better use um, that degree. No, literally, I have to, <laughs> it's so expensive. I have to put this thing to use. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but um, yeah, but that wasn't even actually what took me to global health. What took me to global health is that I was working the office of admissions and i was training to be a tour guide now i missed one of the trainings because i was away at a conference for my scholarship and when i came back i got trained by someone who was creating the global health major on our mm. campus because on our campus you know you could create your own major um and so she was telling me about it it was only it was literally a chance meeting i feel like there's so many of these chance meetings this is my life mm. But it was really a chance meeting that she happened to be the one that trained me all because of this, this and that. Like I did not even plan for that, um, but that was what was in the cards. And so she was telling me about the major and all, and everything that she was saying in that conversation, we did like one hour training or something. Everything that she was saying was hitting so hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, this is what I need to do. And she told me, this was freshman year, and she told me, you know, next year they're going to bring it on as an actual major. And so people will actually be able to major in global health. And I was like, that is incredible. That is incredible. And so I let that one kind of ride a little bit. And so then sophomore year, I started taking public health classes, but like the ones that had the crossovers with global health. And then that is also how I met Ashley. Um, it all makes who, sense now. No, right, right, right. We were both switching from human bio to global health but I think it was helpful also as one of the only other black people in the room you know (laughs) I was like okay so what are you doing and then she was like so what are you doing um (laughs) and because we have the same class schedule we're like also there's another like similar wavelength situation and so she actually like had made the major switch. I was still sitting here in my human bio trying to pretend like I was still trying to be a doctor. Like <laughs> while the ship has sailed, like what are we still doing here? Well, why are still, we still playing at the docks. Still playing make believe doctor. No, I'm serious. And still at the docks was... at the bar if you're trying to be a doctor. Still at the docks. Yeah. The doc. Yeah. Yeah. See what you did there. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it just. I'm telling you, they write themselves. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was still, you know, holding on to the hope. And at some point, I really just had to look at myself and I was really just like, let that shit go. <laughs> Be free. Be free. Um, yeah. And so then I switched my major sophomore year in like February. And then I had to tell my parents around Thanksgiving, which was a Ooh, tough conversation the- for me. Oh, how'd that um, go? You, you got to let us behind the curtain. How At oh, Thanksgiving? You, man, you changed your it, major at Thanksgiving? No, listen, listen, listen. 
The reason this happened though is because, you know, my parents like to be very involved, you know? Um, and so it came around to Thanksgiving and it's like junior year and they're like, like at this point people are like, okay, so what are you doing with your life after college? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to survive today. <laughs> but it was Thanksgiving and they're like, so when are you taking the MCAT? And in my, in my head, I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that actually. There's, I'm not doing any such thing. Um, I had taken a practice MCAT. I, I couldn't even finish the thing. I was like, you know, it's not. And also, mind you, this entire time, my major has been changed since last year, uh, February. <laughs> and I'm just now approaching the conversation only because they literally wanted to register for the MCAT right there today during Thanksgiving. <laughs> during Thanksgiving. I know so, all of our list, all of our listeners that went to college, they are cringing at this story. It's high key cringe. It's high key cringe. When I tell you, no, this honestly, this moment was drama. When I tell you, I was pacing in the garage. <laughs> I was pacing in the garage while my parents were conversing upstairs. You know, because I was like, how am I going to explain when my entire life, like everything built up this, to this point, has been predicated? on me becoming a doctor. How do I, how am I gonna bring up this information? And how do I even explain what the hell global health is? Especially the fact that it was made up as a mixture. Especially the fact that it literally started a year ago. Like, how do I even justify and validate that? <clears throat> that like how global is this health if it was no, made up a year ago? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, I, I'm pretty sure one of the questions after I, like finally said it out loud, was like, so what job is that? <laughs> and the thing is that the problem with global health, but also the great part about global health is that it is so flexible. You can mm -hmm. literally do like any, anything can turn into a global health initiative. And so it's so vague that I can't even explain to you what it is at this point in time. Like I have only been in the thing for a couple of months. I can't even tell you what it is. I'm still figuring out right now what it is. And even the global health track, at least back at that point, you could take so many different classes, like literally in just anything. I mean, not literally anything, but like a yeah. lot of things, like it was easy for me to get approval for like, I think even like a dance class too, like mm -hmm. a West African dance class. And so explaining to somebody like what it is was so hard, so hard, especially because it, it's not even a major, at most schools, like a lot of schools will have public health or even at that time, actually a lot of schools still didn't have a public health major even. Mm. So it's like, how do I even explain to people who are not familiar with the field, like what it right. is I'm entering, when it was also still like up and coming too, like now because of COVID, everybody knows what public health is. But literally up until COVID, I've had to be telling everybody like what I did. Like it, it's been a constant explanation. And you know, the wild part is, and this is why I always say that you have to, you know, honestly, just do things and then ask for forgiveness later. But mm. the wild thing is that when COVID was happening, that is when everybody who previously, like, I don't want to say like everybody who doubted me, <laughs> like it's not, it's not All low key, no. like it's, it's, it's partly that, but it's also like genuinely nobody had any clue what this was. Um, but during the pandemic, 
that's when people were like, you know, you chose a really lucrative career. Or like, you, you made a now great choice. <laughs> now it's, I'm saying, where was like the faith? Where was the faith? But I mean, on some level, like I understood because I was scared too. <laughs> I, re I really was like, what is this going to turn into? But I mean, it all worked out because I followed my gut and did what had to be done. Hey, sometimes I just got to do what you got to do. And uh, definitely hear you as someone who also chose a major where people are like, what? Cognitive. Oh, I remember that. Cognitive what? Like, no, I remember <laughs> hearing you explain it left and right. Like, Yeah, it's just like, because uh, honestly, I, it got to the one point, I just started saying my major was psychology, which is mm. weird because people don't even really understand what a psychology major is. But it was less confusing for people to hear if I was a psychology major. But it's funny right. that you had your kind of circular moment with the pandemic because I feel like now I have a better grounds to explain my major too because all all that everyone is freaking out talk about is AI, artificial intelligence, yada yada yada. I was programming robots freshman year of college. Whoa, wait, that's actually a flex. No, that's lit. Yeah, and it's just like. I think that's part of the reason why I don't be as freaked out about like a lot of the AI stuff is because like, yeah, this is what my major is about. It's like you have artificial intelligence, you have computers, you have these systems, but the human component of all of that, like the people that are programming it or things that you have to consider, like that stuff is all cool to me. So uh, you have the yeah. pandemic, I have iRobot and AI to try to base my career off of when it comes to explaining people. Our time is now. <laughs> Hey, our, our time, time is, is now. now. Our time is tomorrow, and that's what this podcast is all about. Because yes, we got we got to tell these stories, and that's actually an unintentional segue. Because I I'm not even sure if I've said it. I'm sure I said it at some point during one of these podcast episodes. But you actually inspired the name of the banquet hall. This doesn't tie into anything we were just talking about. However, I needed it to be said on wax. I literally wrote it down. On my little notepad I have in front of me that I need to mention that it was a text conversation with you and I was talking about wanting to do a podcast and I don't even remember what led to it but you you gave me the banquet hall spiel so out of all the people I could ask what the banquet hall is about I want you to explain to people where the banquet hall name originated from from your recollection because I feel like however you stated it and your knowledge of the banquet hall kind of motif, I was like, yeah, like that's that's the podcast. Crown Ellen, Bay Area, a proud sponsor of the Banquet Hall podcast. Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah, no, because we were talking about like having a seat at the table. And I think that that was like the lead into it. And then I brought up that I was recently, recently introduced by a mentor to this quote, who I believe is from um, Kalechi Okafor. And she said something along the lines of, I don't want a seat at the table. I want my own banquet hall. And that was also a quote that like informed um, like a publication that I ended up writing with my mentor, uh, but really just kind of about the fact that it's not about asking for seats. 
Mm. It's, it's it's not even about wanting the table necessarily. It's really about like, or rather what we deserve is not only a table, but it's really a whole situation. Like it's not even just us asking to be a part of something that already exists. It's creating our own realities through our vision. Because mm. we know that this this system was not created for us. And so it's like, like I think about like Afrofuturism sometimes, mm. you know, and just like creating by us, for us, and like really just like letting the imagination and like Black creativity is so beautiful, but letting that really just like go. Um and really like inform the way that we interact with each other, the way that we interact with our environment, the world around us, um, and like the the realities that we create, the visions that we actualize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being allowed to be as grand as we want to make it. See, I need to cut that and just make that the trailer of the podcast because that's why I, I, you know? I, let, me, let me have you let me have you get on your soapbox real quick because that's like exactly the idea behind the Banquet Hall podcast. Um, and it's also interesting and it's just timing is very serendipitous because uh, you mentioned Afrofuturism and I think that that is going to be the Banquet Hall podcast word of the day. Uh, it was going to be most publicity mm. at first, but now it's Afrofuturism because I want people to really mm. dive into that and understand more what that means on their own time. That's the homework segment. We're not about to, right. we're not about to define it for you. We want you to go out there and do that. But we're recording this on Tuesday, July 18th. I'm going to this event on Thursday called the Afrofuturism Lounge. Um, so it's just like, it's very serendipitous that like today I joined this Black Creatives at Comic-Con group because Comic-Con is happening this week as well. So it's mm-hmm. like all, all the Afrofuturism, all the vibes, all the Black creativity. Yes. And we, st- and we still have more Black creativity to get on with this podcast. Um but before we transition to some of your more artistic and creative passions, I wanted to give you a little bit of time to talk about, you mentioned the publication that you wrote in. Uh, you've been involved with some interesting research, uh, I think, especially as it pertains to like the last few years. I feel like, I don't know, like I'd be telling people, like when I see people on Instagram, I really like exponentiate whatever I see that they're doing. And I'd be telling the legends of people. So in my eyes, you just, just you got the lab coat on just doing public health research all the time. You don't even need a lab coat to do the research necessarily, but that's my vision of you. Uh, same way that in my eyes, you're like an expert archer because you did an archery like thing one time in college. <laughs> and you know what? I will take that and run with it. I will. Exactly. <laughs> Ar- Ariel Sella, the archer. Uh, But talk to us a little bit about some of the research that you've done related to public health or in global health or uh, just some of your research interests and just how that has influenced your academic passions. Ooh, yes. Um, So it's honestly, I've spent most of my public health career in research. So this extends kind of far back, but I, like not all of it is even like, anyways, yeah whatever highlights yeah (laughs) so um a lot of my research focuses on social disparities social equity that's what really has brought me to public health work that's why I do what I do um I think that because I 
come from an immigrant family background. Um, I always was interested in migrant health. And so that was a big theme, I think more so when I was in undergrad uh, was like working with refugee communities or like mm. working with uh, binational students, so students who lived slash studied um, on either and both sides of the Mexican American border. Um, and I was really, well, not was, because I still am really interested in accessibility of resources, community health. Um, and so it's like working with those communities really was the start of a lot of my public health work. Um, and then it transitioned, I think, into working on gender equity um, mm. and really focusing more on the Afro diaspora. Um, yeah, and like the issues that really impact our health and well-being. Mm. Um, and so it's honestly been kind of a journey, like the topics have really changed, but I think what has really been constant has been addressing social disparities and social inequities um, and on different levels. Um, I think I tend to focus more on community health. That was what I specialized in, concentrated in, um, in grad school. Um, and I think when I was going to grad school though, that was when I really started exploring some of my deeper research interests. Um, not that those weren't deep, but I think I kind of did a little pivot um, because I wanted to try something new. And that's when I really started playing more with integrating the arts and media into public health and that being one of my big research interests. Uh, still com still continuing the community work piece. Um, I really started doing more transformative justice research actually in grad school. Um, when I was doing my capstone, my thesis, my uh, mm -hmm. capstone to graduate. My two big focuses were on collective community healing, and then also focusing on transformative justice and abolition. I think so those were really my key research interests um, when I was wrapping up my program. And I had some great mentorship along the way um, mm -hmm. throughout this time. But I think one of the mentors that really impacted me uh, was my faculty mentor for my thesis capstone program project. Um, and she does a lot of work, Dr. Lacante Dill, she does a lot of work in um, arts and public health. She's also a poet. And so that's where I start, started to see like my interests in the arts and in performance art really start to intersect with mm. public health. And that was actually intentional because I messaged her actually before going to grad school and then followed up when I got there. And we like actually met a person. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I knew that coming to New York City was gonna be important because of the ability to like do a lot of public health work, but also the ability to really get into the arts. Um, and so that was actually pretty key in being able to develop like a range of my interests. Mm -hmm. 
see, you make it so easy to segue topics because it just naturally flows. So a uh, natural flow from the public health research that you've conducted and some of your work in your first master's, a little bit of foreshadowing there. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I need, I think I need to set this up properly for our listeners who don't yet know you and don't yet like follow you on social media, because I think following Ariel Sella on social media is an experience because, you know, you just be scrolling through your timeline and then all of a sudden it's just boom, Ariel Sella drops a, a post eight slides or so just killing the outfits like the hairstyle whatever it is it's just it's vibrant it's colorful it's very ariosella but it feels like an event it feels it feels like an event when you post on social media because it's just like that because you don't be on social media like that like you post on your story from time to time but when it go Mm -hmm. on the grid it's like oh nah like this is art this is art right here and you know what Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I love to hear from my audience. Um, Not your audience. <laughs> um, no, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't even remember what the question was. I was just out here living for Yeah, I see. You're getting too big at it now. I didn't even ask the question yet. That was all the setup. Oh, that was not the setup. That was just that facts. Was- that you were just... That was just the facts. I didn't even set up the question oh, yet. See, okay, okay. Continue. Sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> Oh, no, nah, you're good. Nah, take your, <laughs> I, you got to pick the flowers as they're given. But the reason That's I say true. all of that is because you being in modeling, you being in fashion, it just makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. And one of the things that you said before we started recording was that it's important for you to show up in a way that makes you feel good. It is 11.06 p.m. in New York City right now. You was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and get dressed real quick for this podcast and stuff that makes me feel good. So uh, the question I have for you to lead into your life as an artist is just how would you describe who Ariosella is as an artist, as a creative, as a brand? Because I feel like when you look at modeling, fashion, poetry, performance, I feel like that's all encompassing you as a brand and as an artist. So in your own words, what would you say that your identity as an artist is? Oh, Hit you with a deep one. Huh? I, yeah, no, no, this is good. <laughs> I've never been asked this before. Um, and the first word that comes to my mind actually is experimental. Mm. Um, and I say that because I often, and to like loop back to multiplicity a little bit, I often feel like there's like so many different ways that I show up. And I really try to make space for that fluidity Mm. um and just like going off the feeling like going off of like what resonates what is aligned um and I think that I'm really in the process of like creating myself and creating like what what really is me um, and I think that's also why it's experimental is because it's not a fixed point. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that I always aim for like a range of expression um, and showing like the different sides that there are to me, like as whether that's as a performer or um, as like a curator, as a model I mean modeling is like 
a little different because mm-hmm. like the, the role that you have in the greater dynamic is is just different and you don't there's not a ton that you always have control over you know if that makes sense mm-hmm. like there is creativity in it but it's in like this specific avenue kind of um and yeah so I, I think that it's really just giving multifaceted <laughs> but like not to not to use buzzwords um but I think it's it's really just like experimental and like let's see what feels good today or like mm. let's see what resonates today and I think that even down to like how aesthetically I like to present like that also can really vary I used to change my hair so much and every time I change my hair like it's, it's really like being a different person it's like you get to you know show up as a different person essentially um so I used to like do my own hair because like that gave me so much creative expression and so much like freedom of expression mm-hmm. um yeah yeah so I I think that like experimental is really the word that I can use and feel like makes the most sense um I think also because I'm always changing the medium that is dominant mm. for me like that always changes I think every couple of years not to be mm. fickle but like <laughs> I feel like I really just now I'm a writer now yeah. I am a dancer now I do visual arts like now I paint um and the dominant mode of expression like tends to be what I just focus and focusing on or like more drawn to in that space of time I think performance art has always been a constant I just haven't always had the ability to participate in that and haven't always had access to like performance art spaces in the Mm. ways that I would have wanted I think that that would generally be the more dominant theme um which is why I study it now but yeah I was gonna say you and these segues because you know that's that's it's the wavelength (laughs) It's, it's the, the wavelength we write, and I'm happy that uh, we're on a shared wavelength right now because uh, I think this is the conversation that kind of sparked me. Like, oh no, like I kind of want to hear you talk more about this on the podcast because I don't even think I've asked you too much about your uh, master's program that you're about to start because I knew we would be able to have this conversation here. So uh, you are going to be because one master's wasn't enough for you. You was like, you mm. know what? you know what, let me, let me, let me go ahead and get a second one. Let me go at ahead least. and get a second one. At, at least. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Masters. I'm just kidding. Save yourselves. <laughs> Save yourselves. I'm, I'm about to say your family might listen to this and start holding you to five different masters. Be careful. Oh, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm actually already being asked when I am pursuing a doctorate degree. And so, you know, we're we, we going to have to slow, scale it back. <laughs> scale it back a little bit. So let's focus on master's number two. So uh, you're about to start a master's program. Where have you already started it? Nope, next month. Next month, you're starting a master's in fine arts, performance, and interactive media art. So tell us a little bit about what led you to want to pursue an MFA as someone who already had a master's, already doing enough. And you was like, you know what, let's do some more. <laughs> you know what? I actually, when I first came to UCSD when I first went to college I actually thought that I was gonna minor in visual arts or something that was actually my intention mm-hmm. at a certain at one point in time 
I actually wanted to double major. The thing about me is that I didn't even know what my first major was going to be. And so having to choose two, was <laughs> honestly, that was a tall order. That was a tall order. So I was like, okay, let me do, let me just, you know, I got to pick the first one still. Um, so I never ended up doing that. I never even ended up doing a minor. Um, but it always remained an interest of mine. And I've, I've never not been an artist. Mm, say that. Yeah. And so with that being said, because of the whole like free men and like now I do public health, now I do global health and following that pathway, which is still also, you know, something that I really care about and is work that I'm really inspired by. But I have never had the opportunity to formally study art. Like I never even, I mean, I took art classes in high school, but that was really it. Like I never had dance training, like formally, formally. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I didn't go to art school. But now that I'm an adult <laughs> and I got options <laughs> um, and I can choose to do things, uh, I was like, okay, for younger me, mm. let me go to art school. That's why. Um, no, honestly, honestly, I was like, I wasn't able to like have formal training, and I honestly, it was expensive to even like do stuff like that. So you gotta, I understand. But now that like I'm in a different place in my life, and I can kind of, I, there's more that I can do to craft the reality and the future that I want. I'm like, why not just hit all the dreams, you know? Um, And so I'm doing the very cliche thing of going to art school in New York City, which is wild, but I know that younger me is living for it. Um, And so that's where we're at. Shout out to younger Ariel Sella. And even if like going to art school in New York is cliche, not a lot of people get to do that. You live in, in New York City, you participate in the fashion week, you study in art. Like, yeah, it's quote unquote cliche, but I don't even know if it is because cliche is stuff that regular people have immediate access to do. I don't think that's cliche. I think that's baller. I'm going to call it baller. Oh, right. Thank that's you. My, thank you. This is my banquet hall. We, that ain't cliche. <laughs> Period. I think the other thing is that, like, on a more like formal level, because it's like, oh, you got childhood dream. That's cute. It still costs money though. So why why are we doing this? Um, Say that. And like, no, because the bag that I could be making outside of school. Anyways, whatever. But I also know how I feel about like integrating the arts and media into public health. Like, I'm so mm. passionate about it that to have the opportunity to blend those things in more formal ways and learn the tools and the skills that I need to even, because there's not a lot of people who even do this to begin with. Going on to LinkedIn, like I looked for MPH, MFAs, MFA, MPHs, I tried both versions and not very much came up. And so there's not even to my knowledge or with whatever resources that I have access to, there's not even like really people that are doing mm. this. And that's scary, but at the same time, I have always been one to carve my own path, mm. even if there isn't 
a clearing right ahead. So mm. I think that's where I was at with it is like, I want to have, I also wanted to have field knowledge in both public health and in the arts as well. And so that made sense because I mean, on the other hand, there are a lot of, there are a million ways to like be an artist and be creative and do arts that don't involve going to school. And those are all also really valid. I think mm. that for myself, I wanted a carved out space where I can practice and hone my craft, um, like learn what it looks like to do community collaborations in this space and to do like event production, which is also something that I'm interested in. Um, yeah, I needed like a dedicated space to be able to do those things and learn from people and learn the fields and also like gain some new skills, whether it's technical or uh, like industry-based, things like that. So, yeah. There comes a point in every podcast I record where I'm like, yeah, that's the moment. And I think that that little monologue, for lack of a better term, that you just shared about like the combination of the MFA and the MPH, I think that's going to impact a lot of people listening to the banquet hall because when it comes to, and excuse me for the soapbox I get on, that might take us a little over the time that we have a lot of for the podcast, but. Take your time, um, Pastor. Don't get me started. Um, <laughs> Ashley sips the water. She was like, yeah, he's going to be a minute. <laughs> um, but no, I think that that's really impactful. And I think it's very important for a lot of like, black youth to hear because I think that when you look at that the diaspora of blackness and you look at blackness as not being a monolith there's so many different interests that are very unique to the diasporic black people and I think that when it comes to what we're learning in these higher education settings when it comes to learning about public health or global health human biology cognitive science there's a certain way that I feel like we're able to look at these through a lens of culture, of heritage, of art. And I just loved hearing you talk about that intersection that the MFA and the MPH can do for you because uh, as someone who like between you and Taylor, like y'all got me wanting to get an MFA on top of the MBA because it's like, hey, do there's, it. <laughs> I just think we have, we got so much access to knowledge going to UC San Diego and uh, getting master's degrees from our other institutions that it's like how do I translate this to my people how do I translate this to my family and for me that's why uh, getting into like film and screenwriting is very important because there's only so many times that you can really sit down and explain to somebody what you really learned in college but if I can write a movie and kind of all those mm. things like be the message of that movie or like when it comes to public health like I'm just thinking of like what does it look like to have a performer, a performative art piece that's related to public health and is saying something about systemic health disparities or like the differences in access to healthcare when you look at uh, folks from intersectional lenses. So I just love that you're carving out that path. And as you were speaking, I was uh, taken back to Kairos uh, to bring us full circle once again, because uh, just to let people into the Bishop Montgomery lore real quick, um, when we lead our senior retreat in high school, we have uh, different talks. We went to religious school, so all the talks were centered around uh, some legs of Christianity. 
Um, and so in these talks, we had write downs and there were like moments where we essentially like in retrospect, what, we, what will happen is we'll say, we'll drop a bar and be like, no, nah, y'all need to write that down. Like write, write it down in your book. And so I feel like as you're speaking, like I heard a couple of things that I hope that the listeners either rewound real quick or they wrote it down or like made a little note for themselves. Like one thing you said was why not hit all the dreams? And you mm -hmm. also talked about like carving out your own path, even if there's not like a clearing ahead. And yeah, I think that's just so impactful for people to be able to hear. And so uh, as we transition to, well, actually, let me pause real quick to see if you had any response to that. Like I just went off for a couple minutes. So I'll let you chime in. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think the thing that really came up for me was just like how important narrative and storytelling is. Mm -hmm. um, to throw in another one of my research interests. <laughs> but I just remember that I literally, when I was applying to my public health grad program, when I was applying to NYU, I wrote my personal statement, not like, yes, about public health, but I wrote it about narrative and storytelling. Mm. And like, that is really the crux of it. Like I, to actually think back to Kairos, there was so much, like it really, was an entire retreat of narrative and storytelling and community building and pausing. And I think it's just interesting to even notice that this is who I was before I was doing it formally. And mm. so that was a cool moment that I thought about as you were talking about it. Absolutely. And so as we kind of get towards the tail end of the podcast, I have several kind of what I like to call quick hitter questions. I don't necessarily need uh, too full of response with just whatever quick things come to mind or whatever's top of mind for you as I ask you uh, these next set of questions. It's totally fine for our purposes. Uh, first things first, uh, and I guess this is probably one that will take a little longer, so I wouldn't include in quick hitters, but how do your identities show up in your art and your craft and your, like, yeah, just what you do as an artist? Mm. Ooh. I think that for one thing, like, I think that art from across the African diaspora has always been just so beautiful to me and is like an integral part of who I am and how I was raised. Um, and so I think that a lot of my art does draw upon like our history or culture, um, and like a celebration of black people of mm. african people um and i think also just because like i think being from multiple marginalized communities i think also i mean like clearly comes with a lot of challenges because marginalization but Right. I think also I feel driven to protect our joy. Uh, and I think that a lot of the work that I do or that I hope to do really centers around celebrations of our joy, um, our love, our pleasure, our peace, 
um, and our freedom and our happiness and our overall well-being. And that's really what goes into all of the art that I create. Um, I think also, I think also just allowing for myself to flow between uh, like different artistic mediums, I think comes from being able to like hold so many different identities and like explore the process of exploring that too. And so yeah. I think in the way that like my art can explore who I am or like explore like communities and the issues and the things that we're like really living um, and what lived experience looks like, what our stories look like. And then I guess more specifically what my story looks like and all its many different moving parts. Um, I think that also really informs the work that I do. And really, I think also that the art that I'm trying to make and trying to create really is also very community centered and like community aligned um, and like working with communities, like community informed, community accountable. And I don't ever want my art to be di divorced from that. Mm. Um, be so like detached from community when it's supposed to be about community. Mm. And you know, I mean, honestly, there, there's like art that I create that's like not even about community, it's about myself. <laughs> but, of course. Like obviously, but I think where I seek to like really do community centered work. Um, I think something that we talk about like in public health is like being so detached from community, like research being so detached from community that it doesn't even reach the people that you're trying to help or like doesn't even reach the people that it was meant to serve, I should say. Mm. Um, or even the people that were part of it. And I don't want that to be a part of my public health work and I don't want that to be a part of my artwork either. So yeah, I think there's that. A lot of exploration, a lot of just like centering and tapping in. Centering and tapping in. Um, who are some people who inspire you, whether it's related to public health, related to art, or just inspiration on the day-to-day? -day? Man, I am constantly inspired by the women in my family, for sure. I'm inspired by my friends, you included. Um, I'm inspired by Michaela Cole. Mm. Michaela Cole. Um, I'm inspired by Tiana Taylor. I'm inspired by Grace Jones. Um, I'm inspired by myself, to be quite honest. Like, <laughs> There's that Aries energy. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you ain't never lied. But um, yeah, no, I literally put myself on my vision board. Like, why would I not be on my own vision board? Like, you know? Um, hey, I think more people should have themselves on their vision board. You they be part should. Of the vision. You, you were a part of the vision, but also, and that's really like doing you. That's, you know, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's powerful to because I don't think anybody, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say they're inspired by themselves, at least not in this context. But I think that that's very impactful just because that's a form of self love, like to be inspired by yourself and to really affirm who you are, who you're becoming, who you were to become, who you are today. Like all of those are, they should be inspiring. So I encourage all of our listeners to find that inspiration in yourself. Uh, pick up that vision board tonight and just throw yourself in the center of it because we are at the center of our vision. Yeah, talk uh, your shit. Talk your shit, in other words. Um, so the next uh, question is words of advice. And I usually pick something from the podcast specifically that I think people could use some advice on. For you, I think that the question that I have for you or the target audience, I would say, for your words of advice, what words of advice would you give for people who have multiple passions that they want to pursue. Because I feel like we live in a society at times, I feel like things are starting to change a lot more with the TikTok generation, just how much content's out of there or put out there. But I think a lot of times people are forced to put themselves in a box like, oh, you can't do X, Y, and Z. Like you need to just focus on this. So when it comes to some of our listeners who might be interested in a number of different realms and figuring out their own multiplicity, uh, what words of advice would you give to them? Um, I think, well, for one thing, I always tell people that if you're interested in something, just check it out, just see what it's about. You know, you never know. You never know. You truly never know. And I think, don't be afraid to show up as different from how people expect you to be. Mm. Don't adopt other people's expectations of you as your own. Mm. Recognize where your thoughts are not your thoughts, but rather something that you adopted from somebody else's projected fears and insecurities. And then like, finally, don't be the first person to tell you no. Mm. Don't do that too. Don't close the door on yourself. Don't close the door on yourself. You know, like many people will probably tell you no because they don't see the vision, you know? Um. Or maybe it's just like not right at that time and that's okay mm. but don't be the first person that you interact with to cut off your vision cut off your dreams man i feel like through these podcast episodes i feel very affirmed in the friendships i've chosen in my life because uh when i look back at the people i connect with the people i've interviewed on this podcast I think a common thread is that we don't let each other minimize our minds. We don't let each other mm. minimize our dreams. Like we're like, nah, like if you think you could be the biggest, best, whatever, like, yeah, we, we doing that. Like that's, that's the move They're Like literally the first time I told y'all, like, oh, I might want to be a screenwriter. It's like, yes, like you can do that. Like that's perfect for you. Yeah, and I think it. that, I think that those types of support systems are very important because it's so often that we live in a society where, other people are telling us no so much that you're right. Like it's easy to be the first person to be like, yeah, no, nah, I can't do that. Or I don't know if that's right for me. So I love that as a piece of advice to not be the first person to tell yourself no. Yeah. And I think the thing that I'll add to that is like, find your people, like find the, I can almost guarantee you that you are not the first person who's thought of this. Like find the people that are doing what you do. It might be a small community of people, but like find the people that are doing what you're interested in. And as you were talking about minds, I was thinking about, you know, a little friend, Quad. 
the minds um like really shout out to andre and ashley <laughs> but yeah really like became such a support system and i was like yeah like it was so needed in those times where you don't see the vision for you at least have people that you know you can talk to and share the vision with such that like when you can't hold it up yourself they can you know be there for the support and like remind you who the fuck you are so exactly and that's the type of energy so you mentioned the minds we have our little quad friend group the meeting of the minds and the reason we call it that is because there's just times where we just operate on that like just same mental wavelength where it's like nah like there's so much that doesn't need to be stated and it's like nah y'all get it and there'll be plenty of times whether we're just walking back from the baseball field because we move with somebody's car chilling in the dorm just eating or chilling at somebody's apartment where we just really vibing but honestly it feels like we was operating outside the matrix and it was like nah like let's really look at the world that we live in and what we're trying to do and then be able to pinpoint for each other like nah like that's always been you like you've done x y and z like this is in you and you can do this and i think that just having i connected echo that more to find your people and i just find your support system which leads uh to the next question uh, about um how can people support you where can people find you uh, one of the goals of this podcast is also to build a network to where uh, people who are listening to the podcast and maybe they tuned in to hear uh, Nilla or Andre talk. Andre's episode drops right before yours. Uh, <gasps> yeah, it's exciting yes. times. Um, yes. But um, I want people who might have just tuned in to hear Andre's story to be able to listen to your story and be like, oh, I want to I want to support her or support you on your journey or uh, just be along for the ride. So where can people find you and support you? Oh, people can find me and support me. Um, so on Instagram, um, at sella.seta, S-E-L-A dot S-E-T-T-A. Um, endorse me on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, you can that find part. me in your textbooks, actually. Um, like that. <laughs> no, but, but, but like actually, um, I encourage y'all to read some of my recent publications. Uh, and let me know what you think. I would lo- love and like welcome the discussion. Um, Are your publications uh, linked to your LinkedIn or how can people find those publications? Yeah. Um, so they are actually on my LinkedIn. And I think one of them's in PDF. Oh, awesome. On, on LinkedIn, but yeah. Um, and then how can you support me? I think, honestly, I will always take affirmations. I think that that actually, actually like one of my up there love languages. So I think that sometimes I could really use affirmations and like that words that are like coming from a genuine place, I think really mean a lot to me Um, because it's like, dang, you really took the time to like vocalize how you were feeling. Mm. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, And I... I mean, like, random story, I was walking to work the other day, and this Black woman, like, complimented me on something. And it wasn't even, like, the compliment, but, like, afterwards, she was talking, we were talking about how, like, people don't always know how to, like, just show up for each other and, like, give people their flowers, you know? And we don't always do that. We just, like, be going about our day. And so I think that that is something that is helpful to me, actually, is, like, even just knowing that there are people out there sometimes it's not even about like the compliments mm. itself or like the affirmation 
of like, like what is being you. said. Yeah, it's it's more so the like act of being seen. Um and just like the re- reminder that you know people are rooting for you, I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that would be nice, you know. I rock with it. Uh, anything that you want to shamelessly plug or manifest that's coming in the future for you? Mm. Well, I mean, again, a shameless plug to my article, Oh, We Got Beef. Um, and now, What a great title. Isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of a fun read. I think it's a fun read. So I would like to know if other people think it's a fun read. Um, I'm going to tap in. Yes, uh, my book cha- chapter in Women of Migration called Sustaining and Retaining. It's a longer title, but y'all go read it, um, <laughs> hopefully. But yeah, and then I think manifestations, I honestly, instinctively, I want to manifest more creative opportunities, um, especially paid ones. And um, I think also that like I, I want to manifest like all these professional things but that's like I already trust that those are on their way what I what I really want to manifest it actually is like peace and alignment and and rest oh my god I'm tired <laughs> like, <yeah>. like <laughs> yeah we don't get enough rest we don't get enough rest and, you know, I think it's amazing how much we all do, but also I would love for us to, you know, take more naps <laughs> and just vibe and just be able to exist without feeling like we even have to do something. So more moments like that, um, manifesting leisure, manifesting leisure for me, for you and the whole motherfucking party. So, Yeah. Ooh, a word if I've ever heard one. Uh, rest is just so, so important. I feel like it's uh, it's honestly under-prioritized by the society we live in and obviously like capitalism and whatnot. Um, I encourage all of our listeners and um, if you have an Instagram, uh, follow the NAP ministry on Instagram. Are you following mm, the NAP ministry already? I am, I am. So the NAP ministry uh, examines the liberating power of NAPs. We believe rest is a form of resistance and reparations. And I think just the more often that we can affirm for each other uh, just how powerful resting is, like, even if it's just, like, I think it, too often people think of rest as like, oh, you need to take a nap or something, but just to, like, rest, be present in that moment. So mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate you manifesting that rest. And because I want to be respectful of your time and let you get some rest as you are on the <laughs> East Coast, I uh, want to close out with one last question, oh. uh, which is a two-parter. What do you hope our listeners took away from this episode? And then what did you take away from this episode? Um, I think, I hope that the listeners took away from this episode that... I I hope that they lean into their authenticity and what feels aligned for them. And I feel like those are both words that we throw around a lot, but like really for real, like 
learning how to orbit in your own energy fields, you know, mm. and like tap into what makes you and then like be able to come back and like express that, like live your fantasy. Um, and I know that th- that's loaded. That's loaded. There's a lot that goes <laughs> into that. Yes. Yes. I, I, yeah. Acknowledging that. But I mean, even in like the small ways, like the big ways, like just finding ways to like really make your life yours, but also like show up as the person that you want to show up as and creating that space for yourself and whatever that means for you it doesn't have to be as big as like getting a whole other degree because you know that shit is expensive but it could be anything it could literally be anything it could even be like now you wear green shoes because that's your favorite color (laughs) however yeah 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 just like showing up however resonates with you because you deserve to and we only will get one of you Mm. um and I think the thing that I'm taking away from this one I think is is really that I want to get used to sharing more I don't think I I honestly don't really talk about what the journey really looks like for me like that like I feel like I don't know I don't know I could really practice more vulnerability mm. I can't even really say that but <laughs> I know I'm about to say that vulnerability kind of kept itself in your mouth like you didn't even want to it, did, it did like it just didn't like you know <laughs> they get nuggets they get nuggets but <laughs> but I think like learning to because I feel like sharing our stories is so important and like talking to each other and I think like I really appreciate the spaces that we can just you know sit together and chop it up and like there's a lot of meaning in connection and that's like something that I really value um yeah I think just the power of vulnerability and connecting and like really sharing who we are and seeing each other in that beautiful way to end the podcast episode Ariella thank you so much for uh, your time your vulnerability I know that getting on a podcast for the first time can be nerve-wracking so uh hopefully uh now that you did it you can breathe a little (laughs) bit more uh we are an hour and a half into your story and there's so much more to you that our listeners could learn even more about. So I uh, might be having you on again in the future. Uh, mm. But want to thank you for your time, listeners. I want to thank you for uh, sharing this journey with us and uh, being a, I feel like whenever we're first podcast, like sometimes I feel like we just sit around a campfire, like telling a story. And I really yeah. hope that people are along for that journey, are thinking about their passions, thinking about rest and how they can show up for themselves. Uh, but also thinking about following the podcast at Banquet Hall Pod, leaving a five-star rating. And that is how a professional podcaster closes the podcast. Aristella, thank you for your time. And that has been thank you. episode of the Banquet Hall. We'll catch you all next time. <laughs>